Welcome to the Bleeding Since He Read podcast, best case, worst case scenario edition. Where we focus on one player each episode during spring training and discuss what they've done for us in the past and what they will mean to us for this 2018 World Championship team. Who are we, who are we working on today? Uh, in this episode, we will be talking about the Michael Lorenzen. Go Reds! So we got Michael Lorenzen, who um, is kind of uh, one of the more interesting players on the roster, I think. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, he's definitely the – I think he's one of the bigger question marks all around. In most positions, I, th- I think you know what to kind of expect as a floor for most people. Um, ceilings are a little different, but as a floor for most people, I think you know what to expect. For Michael Lorenzen – who knows? He, I, it, you know, in the minor leagues, he was always tapped as a potential starter. He was given the opportunity to start. Um, he had a, some injuries, didn't capitalize on it as much as you had hoped, so they moved him to the bullpen. At times, he's been flat-out dominant. At times, he's been completely hittable. Um, one of the things that really excited me about him at the beginning of the 2017 season and excited me about the Reds uh, as a whole was when Brian Price – and uh, Dick Williams came out, and both of them said, "You know, we're going to try this new thing." Uh, not they didn't call it closer by committee, but they they said that with our bullpen, we have guys who can go multiple innings. We have guys who can get out there and throw and dominate and and, and save other arms. And Michael Lorenzen was a big part of this. And when they started out the season, he did a lot of that. He was pitching two innings here, two innings there, and he started out super hot and everything seemed to be working and clicking on all cylinders um and uh at some point the reds kind of quietly abandoned that uh i don't know why i'm not i'm not exactly sure what the thought process is and started to fall into that typical uh setup man closer relationship with him and iglesias um but one of the the cool stats that one of the things that i learned about michael lorenzen in my research was that in the first half of the year, on July 9th, his ERA was 2.93. So through the first half of the season, he really was great. It speaks to how effective he was throughout the first three months of the year. After that, he was still remarkably effective most days. But the problem he had was that on the days that he wasn't effective, he w- he was he would get rocked pretty hard. He He had trouble generally giving up uh, multiple runs in just an innings worth of work and, and that helped balloon his ERA up to 4.45 by the end of the year which really is too high when you're a setup guy or you're supposed to be a key member of the bullpen so I, I'm really not sure what what to make of him on that front I'm curious your take yeah he's um 
Lorenzen's one of those interesting players because, you know, he kind of had that uh, great story last year, um, you know, where he kind of won everyone's hearts. And, um, but, uh, like, in two, when I say last year, I'm in 2016. But, uh, sure, where he had that iconic moment. Uh, iconic moment. Yeah, hitting, yeah, hitting the, the home run. And, uh, you know, that was great. And, um, and it's interesting, like, I've always, like, seen Lorenz, and it seems like he always, for whatever reason, kind of follows a similar uh, career path as Iglesias, um, for whatever reason. Like, both of them, like, kind of came up thinking they were going to be starters. Both of them moved into the bullpen. Um, but, uh, you know, where Iglesias really seemed to uh, take off last year, um uh, Lorenzen, at his best, kind of stayed. He was functional, um, but then like things just kind of seemed to, to come off of the rails at, at some point. Uh, that July 9th uh, marker is a good a good place, but there were there were times even earlier in the season where I have to admit I would see Lorenzen come into certain situations in a game, and I would feel less than confident that. Uh, he would get out of the inning without letting people score. And and these were even runs, these are like the hidden runs of relief pitching where uh, it doesn't go on his ERA. It goes on somebody else's ERA when he, he gives up the, uh, the key hits or a home run where um, there, there are two or three people on base and, and he only gets one earned run attached to his where the starter uh, gets dinged with the other earned runs. Um, I felt like there was just, there was just a a shakiness uh, to the whole season um, for Lorenzen at times. And um, which is kind of unfortunate because I thought he did really good in 2016 and he's, he's shown uh, the ability at times um uh, to do well. Uh, one interesting statistic I found on uh, Lorenzen in 2017 is that, uh, you know, I don't usually look for this statistic at all, but it just popped out at me is that he threw 12 wild pitches in uh, 83 innings in 2017. And uh, to give some perspective, his previous 163 innings of Major League. Uh, pitching, he had only thrown six wild pitches. So he had, uh, in half the innings, doubled uh, the amount of wild pitches. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure where to take that at all. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's, that's I, re- really strange, con- considering he was throwing to uh, the best defensive catcher in all of baseball most yeah. of the time last year. Yeah, his... Uh, his uh, strikeout rate per nine innings uh, stayed about the same. Um, his, his walks per per nine innings really didn't go. It did go up uh, from versus 2016, but was still below 2015 numbers. Um, but but the the wild pitches were, were really there, and I, I just I don't know. Like I, it's an anecdotal thing. It's not a statistical thing. But like I just it felt shaky at times for me with Lorenzen, almost like 
I just didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I, that's a great stat about the wild pitches. I had no idea he had been that wild in the year. Uh, I had the same feeling as you when he would come into games with runners on. Uh, he seemed to allow a lot of them to, to cross home, which is not what you want uh, in close games, in any game really, but particularly in close games, and that was making it very difficult for the Reds. I know he lost the lead for the Reds in six games this year that he came into, um, which is is kind of high for one of the guys who's supposed to be one of your dominant arms in the in the uh, in the bullpen. Um, though he, oddly enough, he did have an eight and four record. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. that was that was kind of strange. I mean, a reliever usually doesn't have that high of a record to begin with. Um, and I, I did look this up because in most of those wins, he pitched multiple multiple innings. So that's a good thing. Uh, the idea that he, he's pitching multiple innings, I like, and that gives him some balance, and that gives him, uh, you know, more value in my mind as a pitcher, and I think for everybody else too. But the shakiness uh, really. It was frustrating and nerve-wracking and I was with you like I, I really like Michael Lorenzen uh it, it kind of topped it off for me last year when his dad died and he had that iconic moment like we talked about hitting the home run and pointing to the sky afterwards um but you know last year I I, I I'm not sure he made himself did himself a lot of favors to cement himself as a definite part of this uh pitching staff in 2018 i think he's gonna start there uh, i don't think they're gonna they're gonna drop back on him but yeah. the truth is um if people are going to get replaced he possibly can especially if he keeps giving up the lead and in the way that he did um yeah i mean I, I really feel like because of his performance is why the reds went out and signed a jared hughes and uh david hernandez is um to, to kind of cover cover bases a little bit you know yeah i i mean it's, it's a smart move on their part most of those signings are, are relatively cheap so um there's really no harm in doing it it does give them insurance against michael lorenzen if he if he can't produce um one of the upsides for him is that he does swing a solid bat for a pitcher because he was an outfielder and height and high school and everything as well um it does which does give him some added value off the bench because on games he can't pitch. Um, so I think that adds a nice factor for him. Um, one of the things I think would be really cool if the Reds would do this, if, if he is on that pitching staff, um, and I, I think it would be really neat. And Joe Madden for the Cubs did this a couple of years back. And it was, you know, consider using Michael Lorenzen uh, for a double switch with him in the outfield late in the game if needed. So if you need him to come in and pitch, let him throw to a batter or two, then when um, a lefty comes in, move him to the outfield for that batter or two, and then you can bring him back in so he gets his multiple innings to pitch. He can surely handle himself well out there. It, you know, if his turn comes up in the batting lineup, we feel comfortable with him swinging the bat. And I, I just, and it'd be kind of exciting, you know. Uh, it, it'd be something to generate a little enthusiasm out there. It would allow us to believe that the Reds are forward thinking. Like Joe Joe Madden is for the Cubs, the manager for the Cubs, and I I just I, I think that's kind of neat. I also like the idea of of having him off the bench uh, if we need a pinch hitter earlier in a game. Say a pitcher gets rocked, we're getting him out in the fourth. You hate to to use your best hitters right then and there. Um, 
having him with that opportunity to hit a home run or get a base hit and with a little bit of the speed, I, I think is real valuable. I know there is some talk about whether he should stay in the bullpen or should give starting another try. And I have strong feelings on this, but I want to hear your feelings first. Yeah, when when I hear the uh, possibility of him getting in, back into the, the starting realm, uh, I, I just I don't like it at all. I I think that the Reds have already got enough uh, potential there and enough question marks that I I really want him to to focus on uh, his his ability as as a reliever and I and I agree with you about uh, I'm glad you brought up his bat and the versatility that that brings that's only valuable if if you have them um, in a bullpen area as well, because uh, you know, you're really trying to save him if he's a starter. But, but honestly, uh, from what I've seen of him in the, the majors and also, uh, you know, you, you go back through his minor stuff. It's like, I, I just don't feel like he has anywhere near the upside of so many of the pitchers that are already fighting for five spots right now. And I mean, when I say five, we're really probably talking about there's uh, four or five pitchers fighting for like one or two spots at the end of the rotation right now because I think uh, three to four of the spots are already claimed and the Reds are already going to have to make some really difficult decisions about people like, uh, you know, Brandon Finnegan. Should he be a starter or should he be moved into the bullpen? And if you have somebody like Finnegan... Uh, even even if he ends up being a starter, if he's even like in doubt about whether he should be in the the bullpen versus the starting rotation, then I don't see there's a spot for Lorenzen at all. And um, uh, you know, if they do that, like the, the only way I can see that that it's like seeing like somebody like Rookie Davis. Like I don't think Rookie Davis is on the same level as some of these other pitchers that are in the battle for it. Nothing against Rookie Davis, but I just think that these other pitchers are. Uh, the, the the Mallies and the uh, Romanos and Stevensons and stuff, they are showing whether which, which of those end up making the final rotation, I don't know, but I think those are all are, they're just a tier above where a Lorenzen or a Rookie Davis is. You couldn't be more wrong on this. Couldn't be more okay. wrong. <laughs> I think... I think Michael Regan should be given every opportunity to start in spring training. I don't know that he'll capitalize on this, but my idea is I, I want to give everybody that opportunity to win that fifth starter spot, maybe the fourth starter spot. And stretching him out couldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Potentially having him to pinch it four, four out of five games when he's not starting could be a very good thing off the bench. And so I, I would like to see them – I like the competition. I like the competition of all the young guys. And let the cards fall where they may. And if that pushes someone like a rookie Davis to the bullpen or Brandon Finnegan to the bullpen, then so be it. If you learn in spring training that Michael Lorenzen has not improved. I mean, he's only 26. He has not improved. Um, he helps your team win ball games by being out of the bullpen. Then so be it. I'm okay with that. But I'm all for them challenging in the beginning of uh, spring training and, and letting them kind of go full steam, um, especially if that's something he's interested in doing. So I think uh, I think it would make it fun uh, and, and, and 
honestly, I'm hoping that it forces people like Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed and rookie Davis to, to step up their game and, and do it. So, uh, I, the only thing I'll agree with is that he is going to end up in the bullpen after all is said and done. <laughs> that that tiny little bit you got correct, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it might be fun to, to let him go out there. But, uh, yeah, I'm not holding my breath on him and beating out any of uh... <laughs> oh, Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be rooting for him, though. It's, it's, it's I, I, root for, I root for them all. Yeah. I, 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 hope, I hope they all do good, but, uh, yeah. This is, I, I just do not see uh, Lorenzen uh, cracking. Uh, I, I don't think there's any combination I've done yet of uh, a possible five-person rotation where uh, uh, Lorenzen would come come close outside of like a 2017 style uh, injury uh, scare, like just spreading throughout the thing again. Like uh, unless we ever. A repeat of 2017. Like I just, I just don't see uh, that happening. So I, I'm really, I'm really rooting against that. So <laughs> 17 injuries. Michael Lorenzen's in the yeah. starting rotation on our podcast early in the season. I say I told you so. Uh, <laughs> if, if Lorenzen is in the bullpen, I think that shows how strong uh, the Reds' pitching is is doing. I mean, uh, and and hopefully he's he's doing a great job there, but. Well, I certainly certainly agree with that. I certainly agree with that. I have I, I'll dive right in now. I think it's about time for the best case worst case scenario. I'll start with uh, the best case scenario, and I think the best case scenario for Michael Lorenzen is he can limit the damage in games where he gives up runs instead of giving up crooked numbers. He can just give up one run, keep the damage minimal. Um, I think. The best case scenario includes that he continues to challenge the idea of modern bullpens by pitching effectively in two to three inning stretches. And uh, I think he has possibility and potential if he does those things to finish the season with an ERA under three and a half. So, uh, you know, that's the best case scenario for me. Worst case scenario, he's the four and a half ERA pitcher we've seen. No more than that. No less than that will continue to make you a little uneasy when he comes into games. Um, and worst case, his bat falls off and he's no use there either. So uh, those are my best case and worst case scenarios for Michael Lorenzen. What do you got? Yeah, I'll start off with the worst case is that he continues 2017 um, and just the inconsistency. I mean, that's an easy place to start at. Uh, so... Worst case is that he, he continues to do that. It's, it's it's hard for me to see. I mean, I, I guess that it's possible to do uh, even worse that if uh, his confidence just continues to fail. But um, that's that's where I see it kind of being at is is that inconsistency. Um, the best case is that uh, he gets that spot in the rotation or in the bullpen and um, returns to his 2016 form where he is walking only two uh, batters per nine innings, and uh, he only gave up two wild pitches in 50 innings, and he does that as a very, very dependable setup man and uh, is one of those people that when he comes into the game, we can breathe a sigh of relief instead of wondering if uh, a few more runs are going to score all of a sudden. And 
Uh, I think that he's he's got it in him, um, but he's also shown from last year that he's he's got the other possibility in there too. So I, I just want to see uh, as the best case would be that consistency where he's throwing under three for the ERA, uh, and, and uh, he's got his whip down to the the 108 level, which is uh, where you want to see a really good uh, setup guy at. I'll be curious to watch to keep track of that wild pitches thing to see if that was really an anomaly last year or if that's kind of like a new thing. Uh, I'm curious if he's developed a pitch or something that's leading to that wild pitch statistic. I'm not really sure. So anyway, thanks to everybody out there listening today. We really, really appreciate it. If you would like to hear more, check out other episodes and please rate us on iTunes and share with your friends. The more people listening, the merrier. And stay tuned for more of the Bleeding Cincy Red podcast, best case, worst case scenario, spring training edition, where we continue to focus on different players on the Reds roster for 2018. Also, as always, a special thanks to our all-time favorite Red, Barry Larkin, for listening. I'm sure he's tuned in somewhere. Go Reds! (laughs) 